Year's is a special season, guys, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's, it's weird in a way because tomorrow when you wake up, it's going to be January 1st, it's going to be 2024. But apart from that, let me tell you, nothing has changed at all. Yeah. There's a dramatic change, but at the same time, everything stays the same. Yep. I don't want to rain on your parade. I'm just telling you like it is. <laughs> nothing will change at all. But however, New Year's gives us an opportunity to reflect on things like seasons and times and change and leaving the old behind and embracing whatever God has for you tomorrow. Amen? So that's what I want to share with you about this morning. I want to talk about walking with Jesus through life's seasons. Walking with Jesus through life's seasons. And we're going to start out in Genesis chapter 8. Now, this is a special thing that God is saying. This is right after the flood, and God is speaking to Noah and his family, and he kind of drawing the new rules for the new season of, of earth, Earth's existence. And in verse 22, he says something that is a bit unusual, really. It's, it sounds like a contradiction in itself. It says, As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, Summer and winter, day and night, will never cease. So we list a number of things. Okay, guys, these things are constant from now on, but still they all change. Right? He mentions four things that all change, and he says this will never cease. Really what he's saying is that change will never cease. The only thing that is permanent, the only thing that is sure about time is that it will keep changing. Amen? And actually, the sooner we realize this, that we live in times that are constantly changing, the better. And, and to make things even more complicated in a way, as a Christian, as a child of God, you're really living in three different realms of time at the same time. And all these three different realms of time keeps changing. I want to go through this with you to, to make this clear. Because if you understand time and change, oh man, you're set out for a great life. Now the first time that we live in is what I call general time. Now general time is basically the same for us all. General time includes the fact that this year is 2023 and tomorrow it will be 2024. It's winter season, and you guys think it's cold. <laughs> you know, the, the, <laughs> this is like we, we have a certain culture that we live in right now. There is the product of a lot of things that has happened up until now. We have a certain technological standard that is present here and now. We have internet. We have cell phones. We have AI. Those were not around 50 years from, uh, ago and will probably not be around in the same form 50 years from now. But right now, they're here. Yeah. They're part of our general time. We have a certain leadership locally, regionally, nationally. You might approve or disapprove of that leadership, but it's part of our general time. And every general time provides challenges and opportunities. But the general time will keep changing. That's only the first layer of time of our reality. Second, it's what we could call personal time. Now, personal time is individual. It's all your own personal experience of time. 
personal time includes the fact that you are right now 41 years old or 87 years old or 15. You're somewhere in life. Personal time includes the fact that you might be a teenager, that you might be retired, that you might be married with children, that you might be single, that you might be divorced, that you might be a single mother, whatever is your current reality, that's your personal time. General time is the same for us all. Personal time is where you are in life right now. And then on top of that, there is a third layer of time. And I call this God time. That is where you are in your walk with the Lord. That is what God is asking you to do right now and how your relationship with Him evolves in this specific season. And so you have general time, you have personal time, and you have God time. Good news is, well, I don't know if it's good or not, they all change constantly. So because of that, you and I, as children of God, need to make sure that we do whatever we can to be professionals in the art of change. Because if we understand change, we will succeed in the various seasons of life. Now, it says in Daniel chapter 2 and verse 21, he changes times and seasons. How amazing is that? We know that God never changes. He's constant. But everything that he creates is constantly changing. Amen? And again, every time and every season and every change provides challenges and opportunities. The challenge might be that just because you walked closely with Jesus in the previous season doesn't automatically mean that you will walk closely with him in the next season. However, you always have the opportunity to walk close with him. You always have the opportunity to walk even closer with him than you did in the past season. That there are people and there are even businesses that has risen or fallen because of their relationship to change. Some of them have completely lost their whole empire due to an unwillingness to understand change. Let me just say one word, Kodak. Anyone old enough to remember? Kodak, man, in the 20th century, they had 90% of the whole industry, of the shares of the photography industry. 90%. That's a level of success that makes it almost not fun anymore. It's complete dominance. But then, through, at the end of the 20th century, the whole digital revolution started to happen. And, and more and more, like, photography was leaning toward the digital area rather than the physical, with physical film. Now, Kodak decided to watch this change. He said, nah, you know, we've done the thing that we've been doing for, like, decades, and it's been doing great, so we're not going to change at all. And in 2012, they filed for bankruptcy. Wow. From having had 90% of the shares to bankruptcy. Why? Because of an unwillingness to change. Let me mention another word. Blockbuster. <laughs> Y'all remember Blockbuster? Remember the time when you actually went to a place and rented a DVD? Or if you're really old like me, rented a video cassette? Oh man, can be kind, rewind. 
Oh man, that just brought me back 30 years in a moment. You remember when there were blockbusters at every street corner? Blockbuster was rocking it. They were dominating the scene. But again, you know, in the 80s, the 90s, early 20s, uh, 20th century, uh, 2000s, sorry. They, they were like all over the place. But all of a sudden, again, the whole digital revolution started happening. And, and they didn't want to adapt. There's a, there's a story, such a special story, about the year 2000. A young man came up and asked to see the CEO of Blockbuster for a personal meeting. And this young man had just started a little small business, a little franchise, a franchise called Netflix. And he sat down with the Blockbuster CEO in the year 2000. And he said, you know what? I believe that movies and TV series are going to lean toward digital streaming rather than renting of DVDs. So why don't we merge? Why don't we start to work together? And Blockbuster can promote Netflix, and Netflix can promote Blockbuster, and we will cover both areas, and we will be dominant. He was laughed out of the meeting room. The Blockbuster said, CEO said, there is no way that this would happen. Ten years later, Blockbuster filed for bankruptcy, and Netflix now has a net worth that is 100 times more than Blockbuster ever had. Everything just because of reluctance to change, reluctance to adapt to a new season. But you know what? There are success stories as well. And me being a Scandinavian, it gives me great pleasure to say, Lego! (laughs) Woohoo! Lego, my friends! Lego saw the digital revolution coming as well. And of course, they must have been a bit insecure because their whole concept was like building blocks and playing with these building blocks. Lego is actually a Danish word that means play well, play good. Lego. You're learning so much, so much new stuff today. One, two, three, and Lego and everything. So of course, when the digital thing happened, the Lego people would have thought, oh no, kids are going to stop playing with building blocks. They're going to stop playing video games or watch movies. Oh no, we need to stop this change from happening. They did not do that. Instead, they chose to roll with the change. They start producing video games, Lego video games, and they start recording Lego movies, and they teamed up with Marvel and DC And all of a sudden now you have kids still playing with the building blocks, but also playing Lego video games and watching Lego movies. They even got Lego models for (laughs) grown-ups. So now you can go to your mall and visit the Lego store, which is not primarily for kids anymore, but for people like me. (laughs) And I actually, honestly, Bethany, the only thing on my wish list for this Christmas was the Lego 6,000-piece Bugatti Veyron model. And I got it because God is good and my wife loves me, okay? Never could I imagine that at the age of 57, my only wish for Christmas would be a Lego model. And now Lego has kept growing and kept expanding, and they're now the second biggest toy company in the world, second only to Barbie, but they're coming for her. (laughs) 
And what an amazing testament to adapting to change. Lego has not denied their concept. They've stuck true to their basic vision. But as the seasons have changed, so have they. And because they have, they have been successful. Rather than facing the challenges, they've seen the opportunities. Amen? Amen. And as we look at us Christians, honestly, we have not been very good historically of dealing with change, have we? We don't have a great, great history about how well we adapt to change. A lot of us earlier this year, we saw the movie Jesus Revolution. An amazing movie, but also a testament to our unwillingness to change. Because when the Holy Spirit did a new thing back in the early 70s, and, and all these tens of thousands of hippies and former drug abusers met with, with Jesus and got saved, the church of its time didn't really open up their arms and their doors to include and welcome this new wave of the Spirit. It, rather, they did the opposite thing. They shut the door because of, they didn't like the change of these people's you know, um, clothes or hairstyle or music or culture. And rather than taking their hand and leading them into the fullness of Christ, they shut the door, isolated these young people, and isolated themselves. If we would have been better at change, what would the Holy Spirit have done? You know, it's all about seeing the new things that God is doing. And rather than pointing a finger saying, that's not what I'm used to, instead allowing change to deepen and broaden us as a church. Amen. I remember many years ago, this must have been like 15 or 16 years ago, a friend of mine called me. He's a great guy, he's an evangelist in Sweden. And he said, oh, Joachim, I got this great idea. I'm going to do a tent crusade. Tent crusade just like my father back in the 40s and 50s, just like Oral Roberts and A.A. Allen, I'm going to have a tent revival. And he got this huge tent seating thousands of people, and he started to plan for a great tent crusade tour throughout Sweden. And when he told me this, I honestly said, hmm. I said, well, you know, if God has asked you to do this, it's going to be amazing. <laughs> because anything that is born of God will conquer. Amen. However, if this is just like a, a romantic idea, it might not really work. Because back in the 40s and 50s, there were different times. No internet, no TV. People were pretty much bored. And because they were pretty bored, when somebody put a big tent up in their community, they thought, oh, maybe it's a circus. Finally, there is something to do. So they will go out motivated by curiosity slash boredom and they would end up in the tent and they would hear the gospel and people would get saved and it worked. But today is a whole different ball game, isn't it? People still need the Lord, but people are less likely to show up in a tent just because you put a tent up. So um, he, he did this whole thing. He went to 30 cities in Sweden, hardly had any people whatsoever show up. And at the end of the line, when it all was said and done, he called me again saying, I've never been so tired in my entire life. And throughout all these 30 cities, I only saw one person give his life to Jesus. 
Then, of course, he added, but it was worth it just for that one person. And, of course, in one way it was because you can never put a price tag on the miracle of salvation, right? But still, I just thought to myself, man, if you would have just handled your resources a bit different, if you would just handle your money and your energy and your focus and your prayers and use them in a different way, you might have had a different outcome, a better success. Amen? We cannot really be motivated by romantic ideas from our past because God is constantly doing a new thing. Amen? And we need to follow along with this. We see the seasons of life even displayed in the life of Jesus. I I was just teaching a um, 12-session course in our BTS, our our Bible teaching school, uh, the Bible training school that we have that is brand new for Bethany. And I was teaching the life and ministry of Jesus. And I love that subject because what, I, what, what we do together is we put all the four Gospels like next to one another. And then we create a timeline of the entire life and ministry of Jesus. So we're kind of following along in his footsteps. And when you do, you see that even the life of Jesus, the, his short ministry of three years actually contains different seasons. Now, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? But even though he's the same, his seasons were different. And and one of the changes in his seasons are actually quite dramatic. The previous season, he's been preaching the gospel, healing the sick, raising the dead, and delivering demon-possessed people. And then that whole season ends with a miracle of the multiplication of the bread and fish. And he's never more popular in the eyes of people than at that time. He says that the people, when they saw this miracle, they tried to come and make him king by force. And any worldly leader would have used that momentum to boost themselves or boost their cause. Jesus did the exact opposite thing. He withdrew to a mountain all by himself. And when he comes down from that mountain, there's been a change of season. Because His approach now is a bit different. Earlier, his message has been very inviting and welcoming, quite comforting, actually. He's been saying things like, come to me, all those of you who are heavy labored, and I will give you peace. But all of a sudden now, from this night of of prayer on the mountain, he starts speaking about sacrifice, taking your cross and following him. He starts speaking about his own upcoming pain and death and resurrection. He goes from a time, a season of preaching the gospel and demonstrating its power to a season of inner preparation for the cross. Same Jesus, but different seasons. And and you can actually see the four seasons of, of, uh, you know, the regular four seasons in his life. And I I love that concept. I understand that here in Louisiana, the seasons are not as dramatically different as they are in Sweden. But still, I think you can follow along. There is what we could call spiritual summers in our God time. The summer is a time where life is easy, life is fun, Life is moving along greatly. We have a great time. It's a lot of activity. We see God speak. We see God move. We get answers of prayer like the same second we pray. And, you know, it's, it's a lot of activity. It's a lot of vision. It's a lot of, of uh, like, uh, 
uh, a strong force to push us forward. But then there are also spiritual fall seasons. And in the fall, the leaves fall from the trees, right? I hear in the state of Vermont, they call it the season of the sticks. Because the early fall, then the trees are beautiful. They're red and yellow and, and, uh, and orange, and they're just beautiful. But then in the late fall, the leaves fall from the trees, and the tourists all disappear, and now it's just the season of the sticks. You know, it's, it's just like barren trees everywhere. And have you ever felt like that? Yeah. That's a spiritual season in itself, a season of sanctification and holiness. God is actually not adding to you, but taking stuff away from you. Jesus says that he's cutting off some branches. Some of them he's cutting off because they're not producing fruit anymore. But some of them he's just cutting off to create more room for future growth. So the spiritual fall seasons is not a punishment. It's a preparation. But at the time... It feels a bit naked. It feels a bit barren. And then we have spiritual winters. You guys think it's cold now. I just had a FaceTime with my brother a few days ago. Back in Sweden, they have like negative Fahrenheit. They have two feet of snow, and it's really cold. That's the kind of cold that when you breathe in, your lungs hurt on the inside. And let me tell you one thing about walking out on a field covered with snow. The one thing that strikes you is not only the cold, but also the silence. Because the snow absorbs sound. And there are no birds singing because birds are intelligent. They left for Africa. (laughs) Some birds left for Louisiana. (laughs) So there's no sounds at all. So if you walk out in a field covered with snow and hold your breath, the only sound you will hear is your own heart beating. And that's actually a spiritual season as well. Have you ever been there with God? You go, hello. (laughs) You don't hear his voice as loud and clear as you had before and all and you might start wondering hey has God left me is there something wrong I don't feel his presence in the same way I used to in the spiritual summer and when you look at the cover of the snow you might look around and see there's nothing going on here but let me tell you underneath the snow the ground is being prepared for a new spring season And that spring season will not come before there's a season of winter there to prepare the ground for it. Amen? And then we have the spiritual springs where birds start singing again and new vision coming up from the ground, new colors, new plants, and just there's just a newness over the entire season. Now, you might have your favorite seasons, but we need all seasons in our walk with the Lord. Amen? We need the spiritual summers, we need the spiritual falls, we need the spiritual winters, and we need the spiritual springs. Now, I just want to give you three things now, because this is a Christian service after all, and we need our three points, right? (laughs) So I just want to give you three things that will help you navigate through the changes 
of life's seasons. The changes in general time, in personal time, and especially the changes in God time. Now, the first thing you need to understand that will really help you is God is the author of my present season. God is the author of my present season. Psalm 74 says, the day is yours, and yours also the night. You established the sun and moon. It was you who set all the boundaries of the earth. You made both summer and winter. God is the author of your present season. I'm not saying he's the author of everything that happens to you in this present season because we are living in a broken world and we are affected by that broken world. He's not the author of your sickness that you might experience. He's not the author of depression or anything that might come your way, but he's the author of the season. And that means that he knows the way through that season. He knows what road you're supposed to take because he's the author of the season itself. And every single day of your life, therefore you can say, this is the day that the Lord has made and I will rejoice and I will be glad in the summer days and the fall days and the winter days and the spring days because the Lord is the author of every single day. Can we say hallelujah in the house of the Lord? Can we just shout a pray? give him a shout of praise for the season that you're in? Regardless of whether it's summer or fall or winter or spring, you can always say this is the day that the Lord has made. He's the author of my present season. The second thing that we need to understand is that God has a plan for my present season. God has a plan for this present season. He's created this season of your life because there's a purpose connected to this season. There's a plan connected to this season. And I love what it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Can we say beautiful? beautiful. There is a beauty to each season of life. If we accept it and if we embrace it. Somehow you need to come to the point when it comes to your personal time and your God time. The general time you can't do anything about anyway. But you need to come to a point where you say, you know what? I accept and I embrace the season that I'm in right now. And I do believe that in this very season, there is a plan and a purpose. Because so many times I see people wanting to be anywhere in life but where they are right now. Right? We're so good at that. When we're kids, we want to grow old, you know. I want to have a car. I want to stay up late. I want to have money. And then you, you grow up. <laughs> and then you look at the kids and say, enjoy it while it lasts. No mortgage. <laughs> Not a care in the world. I bet every single one of us have been looking at the baby in a pram saying, you don't know how lucky you are in there. Somebody is pushing you around to wherever you need to go. Well, you just need to open your mouth and somebody will put food in your mouth. 
And when you go need to go to the restroom, you don't need to find one. You just go, ah. Oh. <laughs> and someone will take care of that. <laughs> you know, that's the ultimate luxury of existence. It's just kind of hanging around and having everybody carry you through life. You know, we always want to be somewhere else than where we are. I see so many people who are single. And all they can do, all they can think about is getting out of this space as quickly as I possibly can. And then they get married, and then after a few years, they want to be single again. <laughs> Start flirting around and, you know, wanting to, like, reverse time and be a bachelor again. Let me tell you, all you single people, there is a plan and a purpose for that season of your life. You might say, yeah, I know that plan, pastor. Torture, pain, agony. No, no, I'm not talking about that. You have an amazing opportunity while you're single to do two things. Get to know God and get to know you. You can, you can oh man, you can develop and you can understand and you can discover all these gifts and treasures of your life before you have to add someone else into the equation. Make sure that you use the time while you're single to make sure that you stand on your own ground. And then when someone else is allowed into your life by the hand of the Lord and the guiding of the Lord, then you know who you are. And you don't have to live your life through someone else. Amen. There's a plan and a purpose with every single season. Some people have their first gray hair and they panic. <laughs> My life is over. I have a gray hair. Well, according to the Bible, your life just begun. But the Bible, Proverbs says that the gray hairs are the crown and glory of a man. Now you can dye them all, the, you can dye them if you want to. I have no problem whatsoever with that. You just do whatever you feel do whatever you need to do to make feel good about yourself. No problem at all. What I am saying, however, is don't pretend to be somewhere else than where you are right now. Your present season of life is not to be, uh, you know, not to be denied, but to be celebrated. There's a beauty of you knowing who you are and finding the beauty of the season that you're in right now. And there's nothing more pathetic than an 80-year-old man with leather pants and a pierced eyebrow. Don't try to be someone else. Don't try to be somewhere else. Just celebrate the fact that I'm here right now and there's a beauty to my season. There's a plan for my season. There's a purpose for my season. And I'm going to celebrate this season, what I'm in right now. Finally, the third thing that you need to be aware of, after having understood that God is the author of your present season and your coming season, and God is also has a plan for your present season and your upcoming season. Number three, God is with me in my present season. God is with me. It's not like he created that season and kind of pushed you into it and then left. God is with you in every single season that you go through. How can I say that? Because Jesus did. Jesus says in Matthew 28 verse 20, Surely... 
I am with you always. Always to the very end of the age. The word translated always in Greek is pasas tas hemeras, which actually literally means every one of the days. <laughs> I love that. I am with you every one of the days that you will go through. I am with you in the summer season. I'm with you in the fall season. I'm with you in the winter season. And I'm with you in the spring season. I'm with you when you're a child. I'm with you when you're a teenager. I'm with you when you're single. I'm with you when you're married. I'm with you when you become a parent. I'm with you when you become a grandparent. And then I'm with you at the last few days of your life. I'm with you, with you all of the days. And as we now move from 2023 into 2024, let's, before we do make that change, before we move into this new season, this new year, let's make sure that we proclaim Jesus over this season that we have been in and the season that is about to come. He is the author of 2024. He's got a plan for 2024, and he's going to be with you in 2024. Can we say amen?